Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Jules and Jim's Joyride. Pull into a layback, take your trousers off, open the flask and enjoy. I can hear you, I can hear you, and you can see me. Can you see anybody? I can see you. Good. He sailed around the world in his yacht, the Cullender, more times than any other presenter of <laughs> It'll Be All Right on the Night. Oh, is that any good for you? Is that a good introduction? That's very good. Yeah, that's good. That gets us talking about some of the things which we may not have in common. Well, yeah, but you have got a ship. At one point, I had two ships. And you know this experience because you've got various vehicles of your own. And I I bought an old boat. When when we sold Talkback and suddenly, you know, I've got spare cash. And one of the things I wanted to do was just buy a boat to go on the river. And my mate, um, Bob Ring, who does a lot of things with me um, and is a sort of registered layabout sort of character, persuaded me that every boat we saw was not quite the boat that he wanted. Have you got friends like that? I do. Do you know well, what I mean? I mean, like, you go and look at things and somehow it it's not your them. decision that's yeah. important. It doesn't suit them in some way. It doesn't suit their purposes. That was right. exactly what happened. Because I had a yeah, ship. Yeah, so we ended I up. I did the same thing. I had a ship and I, I could yeah. only get people on it because they wanted to use it as a floating bar. And that was yes. that was the key to, to me buying a ship was, can you have a drink on it? Well, that seems a bit a, a little bit shallow, if I might use a a, well, a, a watery, a watery metaphor. But I know what you mean, Griff. It's 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 not but your decision. Was, was was your was your ship big enough to have a bar on it? Well, yeah, it, it slept six people, so there was room oh. to gather around the table. It was a, it was a little river cruiser um, based in Rochester, so it's probably oh, similar right. to yours. Okay. Your first one, but no. Is... Well, the first one I had, no, the first one I had a, had sails and all that stuff. Oh, did it? Because this is what, yeah, no, this is what happened. I used to. My father, like, it goes back really long time, right? Because my father was a doctor, and a lot of doctors. I don't know if you're aware of this. A lot of doctors are very interested in carpentry, and he built a boat. And I used to, with it, my earliest memories being sort of tiny and being taken by my mother to see my father in his pap scratches. Do you remember when men used to wear braces, proper braces, and the and the trousers used to come right up, right yeah. under the tits? Nice and he'd look. wear <laughs> those. He was great. And they'd be there in their shirt sleeves, hamming and making, you know, planing down the stuff. Anyway, he built a boat. And so um, he didn't wasn't really a sailor. He was always a very nervous sailor. But he got completely embroiled in doing that. And when we were growing up, that was our holidays. Now, it wasn't quite perfect because he made it himself. What was it called? It was called an Enterprise. It was mm. a sailing dinghy. Mm. And they took it down to Bosom in Chichester Harbour Lovely. and they stuck it in the water. The trouble is, Jab, it was an odd name for a doctor, wasn't it, called Jab, he got his wood from um, a sort of maker of motor torpedo boats. People made motor torpedo boats out of wood and they sent all the wood just a little bit bigger 
that it was supposed to be. Over-spec'd as, as they would if they were making a motor torpedo boat. So when my dad made this boat with the over-spec'd wood, it sort of ended up twice as heavy as it was supposed to be. I mean, it still floated, but it, as, as a sort of sailing boat, it was neither one thing nor the other. Anyway, I learned to sail on that. So I was stuck, you know, literally too small to even walk. I was in a life jacket sitting under the centerboard being while they rushed around and shouted. My mother and father shouted at each other. And then that was it. So, we never did anything for the rest of our life, in the entirety of our life as young people, except go on a succession of boats, which my dad bought for holidays so really it's completely in your blood then i mean do out of interest do you have a certificate of competence which i know is something that uh, um of sailors uh, are required to have if they're uh, on what going on international waters no no i don't no and this is the problem like a lot of people who've learned to sail like it's in your blood you don't, don't forever. you you part you fail every test if i meet somebody who who goes through the mat and says right we're approaching this harbor are you going before you go in to put your engine off now and come in backwards and do this. And I'm just go and park the boat. I don't go, oh, I do it by any specific way. So I would fail. You're there to sail, not to analyse how they're doing it. Have you done any sailing ever? Not, you I ha- actually, I have once. I've had boats all my life, but I, ju- I did go sailing once. Actually, I tell you what, no, I actually yeah. went because I did a programme called... Um, um, what is it? Great ex- experiences for boys, fun ex- excitement <laughs> things for boys. And I went with my son, and we went on when he was about eleven. We went on a great big ship, and I was astonished by it because it was like freezing cold weather. There, there was a, a blizzard blown, and there was these young men, like stripped to the waist, pulling up these massive big sails. And, yeah, and I was like a frail old fart, you know. Like, what do you mean was like? <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the inland waterways? I quite like those. I went on a few of those where you get a, a, a sort of a, a nice long barge and you get to the yeah. locks and you, and you uh, slice what? through the countryside in a little sort of hidden parts and lovely dells and fields untouched by the hand of time. Do you like that sort of thing? I like uh, canals a lot. And I've done, I've done it because they've made television programmes. Oh, Three Men in a Boat. Yeah, of course. We did yeah, a lot of, of that. I yeah. actually illustrated and the book. Because it's Did one of, you? Oh, yeah, it's one of my favourite books. I think it's I think it's one of the funniest books ever written as well. There's a very funny scene where he smashes the, um, the tin of beans to pieces with an oar, and it takes on such a horrific appearance. They all run away from it. We had to <laughs> cross the Thomas Telford Aqueduct in North Wales. What a treat to do a, that! Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. Have you ever done that? I've been. That thing not, I, I've not been on that aqueduct. I've been on others and have thrilled at the experience. You love an aqueduct, it, don't love you? It's amazing. Yes. Oh, it's fantastic to be on an aqueduct on a barge as it crosses, you know, you're on water and it's crossing another river. I mean, that's just crazy and really entertaining. But, of course, I had to talk to camera as we went across on the... And this was the Ponty... The Ponty... The Ponty... You can do it. The Ponty Clitly Aqueduct. And we were going to Llangotlan to the Eisteddfod. And I was had a Welsh crew. And, of course, I'm supposed to be Griffith, App Rees, App Jones. You know, I'm supposed to be Welsh myself, despite having been brought up in Essex. And so we're on the thing going along, chug, 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 and the thing, and we're on the pont, and they got the camera rolling. And they say, OK, great, Griff, can you do the piece of camera to explain where we are? Griff, could you? And I said, yes, of course. We're on the pont, we're on the pont. 
We're on the pontificus. We're on. The, <laughs> can we go again? We're on the pontificus. We, we went three times, and I finally got the pontificus the aqueduct right, and then said, "And we're in Saint Gotland on the edge." No, it's not Saint Gotland. <laughs> Let's go again. And so, when we got to the, just as we're getting to the end, they said the cameraman goes, "I can't. We can't do this. And we can't do the shot. We missed the shot." We missed the shot. We're on the yes. So I said, oh, well, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Can we can we just go, you know, can we turn around? And they said, yes, yes, Griff, yeah, we can turn around. We can turn it. We're about four miles down there and we'll get to a turning place. So I was stuck on this. We spent the entire day just to try and get me to say. On pronunciations. Can you do the, can yeah. you do the long well, one? How can you do the long one? Chlanfepochwingis gargareth windrog glantisilio gogogoch. That's unbelievable. That is very I impressive. Even, I no, can't even say I was Stanford. I get when I was a all. kid, uh, probably about 11 at school, me and my friend had a competition to see who could say it properly first. And that was pro- that was the days before TikTok. <laughs> and, I could, and it's one of those things that, you know, you learn when you... Because I learnt it in a week or something, and then it's, never, it's always there. I can never get rid of it. Submarines? You ever done a submarine? No. I quite like to do a submarine, but a bit terrifying, isn't it? I have. Well, uh, yes. Have I, you? No, I've been on a one in dry dock, and I found it very uh, oh, claustrophobic. Yeah, I've been, but... dr- I've been on a real one. We were on, I was on honeymoon. So we Funny were place in, to be a honeymoon. in Mauritius. We went across, got on this submarine, and it was a small one, and we got first in the queue. I said, let's get there early so we get first in the queue, and we'll get right to the front, because there's a big glass dome at the front, so we've got to get in. So we were right. We were there really early, like five hours early. <laughs> and and as they opened the doors just to go on, two, a French couple, ran right in front of us, pushed us out of the way, and got into the front dome. No. And they were sitting in front of us as we poured scorn on the back of their heads for the whole of the trip. On the back of the American comics in the 1960s, you used to get sort of, if you sold lots of comics, if you were in America, but you could get the same comics, Marvel comics, DC comics, whatever, in England. But it would show you sort of things that you could get, a bit like Green Shield stamps. You'd get maybe an ant farm or a toy truck or something. But the but the best thing, which is well, like if you had the most sort of, you'd sold the most magazines or whatever, was a submarine, like a children's submarine. And I thought only in America could you have something like as fantastic as a this. A real one. That's what was in the picture. Yeah, you've got this yeah. real, and there's a child being lowered into the water practically with this little miniature single child's person submarine. It's, it's so unbelievable. And when it came thing. through the post, it was just a dustbin. No, well, no, actually, and I'm going to drop a name here. My friend Tom Hanks told me that as a child, they got one and it arrived and their mum said, oh, here you are, here's a tablecloth there or whatever. It was a tablecloth and it just went over the table and I had a couple of portholes in it, and then you sat under the table. Because I used to, those American magazines had the had the sea creatures. Yes, yeah, sea yeah, cre- yes. Sea, mo- sea monkeys. Yes, that's but right. But I think with the sea monkeys in the picture, a bit like the submarine yeah. that we were told we were going to get in the picture, the sea monkeys were the size of full sort of humans or like mer-pe- mer-folk, uh, aqu- aquatic folk who will then become your friend and play chess with you and do magic for you. But in fact, they were really like sea lice. They were sort yeah. of about the size of but a sort of fly like or something. they monkeys that swam around in a... In a That's yeah. right. Sewer. Uh, have they you ever, have you ever seen... They supposed to be sea monkeys. Have you ever seen a sea monster on your trips? I, on my travels? Yeah. No, but there used to be a website called Late Sail. And Late Sail works on the basis of uh, all around the all around the world there are there are companies that rent out 
sailing boats. And we would we would wait until the very last minute, not knowing we not knowing where we were going, me and my mate Bob. And we used to travel all over the world on these cheap rented boats, sailing around the thing. And we'd have sailed next to pods of whales and things oh. like that, and uh, dolphins. So that we never actually seen a sea monster, except for the fact my mate Bob, when we arrived in the Caribbean and we sailed to Barbuda, he went into the local tackle shop, fishing shop. And hanging in the in the tackle shop was the most extraordinary sort of bright green and pink lure, you know, Ooh. sort of like a green luminous squid type thing. And Bob insisted on buying this. And I said, Bob, the only point of that lure, that's ridiculous. It's huge. The only point of that lure is to lure people like you into <laughs> buying it, you know. <laughs> He thought he was going to catch so, a sea monster. Well, yeah, of course he thought he was going to. Be, he thought he thought he'd buy the biggest lure in the shop and end up with the biggest sea monster. So we stick it off the side of the boat. We sail over to Barbuda from uh, Antigua, which is a sort of day sail. You sail blong 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 right out in the ocean. It's very impressive. And we come in, and we've had it on the end of a trailing miles behind us. And we come into the harbour, and the harbour's now there's about sort of thirty boats all anchored and everything like that. And I so, as we're coming into anchor, I say, "Oh, God, God, oh my, wait, wait." We've got that reel out. We're going to get tangled. We're going to go. We're going to go round. And as we're looking for a place to anchor, we're going to tie all the rest of the boats together. So quickly, get in the reel. So he starts pulling in the reel, and there's a barracuda on the end of his lure. No. So we're in the middle of the harbour, trying to pull in a massive, great length of reel with an actual live fish on the end of it. That was a sea monster. So we were pleased with that. And now a message from our sponsors. Now look here, what's that strong scent of boiled beef? Is the canteen open? No, the canteen has been discontinued due to contamination. That odour is my aftershave by Calibre Sex Pest. Sex Pest by Calibre. Also hot plug, just nose in, a guarantee of good fortune and you and whose army. I've got toys um, like you guys. I've got, I mean, uh, I went through the phase, as we all do, you know, thinking I'm a classic car man. I'd love to have, I'd l I see myself as driving around in some sort of classic car. In fact, I was working on a thing called D-Mob with Martin Clunes, and there was a lot of classic cars, which we were driving around in classic cars and thought, this is the, t now it's the time, you know, isn't it? You've got sort of, as long as you've got an old barn in the country, what you need is to arrange your own barn find. And so I I went, I did a commercial for come to Whisper, I think, probably Whisper or something like that, just before Christmas. And there was a place called The Garage on the Green in Parsons Green. Did oh, you yes. ever go there? I bought a car from yeah. it, actually, yeah. And it was full That's right. of the beautiful, polished sort of cars. Because when you go to buy a classic car, you always buy it on how well polished it is. Not whether the actual thing Works. will work yes. or not. Yeah. It's all outer appearance, isn't it? It's all the, it's all the so, shape. It's all the body shape is what's, what we're seduced by when we go and buy it. That's right. Yes. yes. And I've been in several times and looked around. And I went in and I'd just done this commercial. And it was three days before Christmas. And I went in and said, the worst thing you could possibly say to a man selling you uh, second-hand cars. Walk in and say, I've just... I've just made a fortune doing a commercial. I've got to buy a car for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loaded. Did you add, and I don't know anything about them, what should I do? <laughs> exactly, what do you recommend? And he was very good because he said, Griff, that is the worst thing you could ever say to a second cat. 
<laughs> Let me say, what do you know about cars? I said, nothing. I said, yeah, and I love that those ones over there, the Ghiblis, the Maserati. He said, right, all right, right. I said, that Maserati. Where are you going? I said, up to Suffolk. He said, you're going up the A12. The car goes, could you, could you, could you, and you go into a lay-by. Can you open the bonnet and see what's gone wrong and mend it with a bit of wire? I said, I wouldn't even be able to open the bonnet. And he said, okay. He said, look, I can only sell you two types of cars. I can sell you a Bentley or a Mercedes because they're the only cars that will keep going even in your hands. <laughs> so I was really disappointed because I really, I have got my eye on some fantastic, you know, he had some really incredible cars. So and I said, and I, got a, I got a Mercedes, got a Mercedes 500 SL, which I love. But funnily enough, I bought a Bentley off of him and it was good. It did go very well. Yeah. An S2 Bentley two door, it was lovely. It went on and on and on. Oh, I love a Bentley. And I, I just, I, can I just, before I forget, I just remember something, World Cup coins. Do you remember them that you used to get given? Like you used to get in a packet of cornflakes, you'd get an awful gift. You'd get an awful gift from the petrol station. You used to give them out. You, you bought um, a, a couple of gallons of petrol and you'd get a World Cup coin. Everyone's looking blank. <laughs> Do you know? Green Shield stamps. I yes. remember that. Yeah, yes, remember the exactly. coin. I had, I had no interest in football, but I had a full collection of World Cup coins, and they were like little silver coins with the pictures of the footballers on, and you put them in a, like a pouch. Are you collectors, you guys? Yeah, I collect everything. No, I collect, I can't stop. I, I'm, I mean, I was going, I've, when people say, do you collect anything in particular? I say no, and it's a huge lie, because actually I've got, it's, you, and I've realised once you've got more than two of something, if you've got three of something, that's a collection. I've just moved on from World Cup coins yep. to things like pictures of boats and things like that. If I see them, they, they yeah. used to paint these really great boats pictures in Naples. Are you, are you talking about Canaletto here? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> just They were just guys, they'd sit on the end of the pier, and when yeah. a British boat would arrive, they'd say to the captain, you know, would you like a picture of your boat? And so they they're, they do very pretty pictures, just but all with all the engineering qualities oh, nice. of the boat. Yeah. Nice. And so these things keep popping up. And near me, there's an auction house, and they had one, and it sailed out of Ipswich Dock all the way down to um, Naples, obviously, to pick up tangerines or something like that. And they had a picture of it painted, the owners of it had a picture of it painted with the Vesuvius behind, so you can tell it's Naples by one of these painters and there it was for sale in Ipswich so I had to get that cool. now I found another five of them but we were, I, was, I was telling Jules just earlier on today that a friend of mine who's got an auction house has got a book which is from about 1830 and it's a, a, a boy who was at, on a ship but doing his lessons and in beautiful writing arithmetic and right, handwriting and, and then it moves on and he's painted a picture of the boat he was on and then one of the lessons was songs, and he's got all these pages of music and words of, like, of hornpipes and things like that that he's written down. And that was part of the lessons on a boat. You had to learn songs. Well, of course, shan- shanties. You've got to have a shanty. Yeah, shanties to sing. Yes. God, yeah. well, if that came up, that is exactly the sort of thing I'd try to buy. Like, I, I, I said, I'll, try to buy. I'll try, because I said to my friend, the auctioneer, Mike, I said, how much would you? What, how much would you sell that for? He said, I have no idea. It's just whoever would want it. So if I say... I've got a friend who's got so much money, <laughs> he doesn't know what to do yeah, with it. Yeah, he's just done an advert. He has no idea what this is worth. I'll sell it to him. <laughs> the trouble with me is if they put an estimate on something which is really cheap, dirt cheap, at 150, then it goes up to, you know, 600. I'm going, 
I'm not going to, this is ridiculous. This is going for far too much. Whereas, of course, if it had started at 600 instead of being at 150, I'd have thought I was getting a bargain when it got to Exactly. I mean, I'm no good at auction. And you get the thing home. And if it's cheap, you think, oh, why didn't anybody want this? Oh, I've, I've bought this too cheap. And if it's too expensive, you thought, oh, I've paid too much for it. So I, it's very hard to... I love an auction. The only thing I object to is the, is the modern way that they describe it. If you, when you've bought your maritime work of art, they say you, you, you go to get it, you say, oh, this is the one that you have won. And w- winning it implies that with skill and brilliance, you have got it, <laughs> not just by paying more than an expo. You haven't won it. You've bought it. You've paid for it. Exactly. There's no winning. You just, you just been, you've just been the fool who's bid more exactly. than Exactly. Exactly. And it's nothing, nothing worse than going on an auction site. You go there and you've identified the really great things. Do you know what I mean? And you sit there during the whole auction, thinking, "This is nobody's buying anything today. It's going for nothing." And it mm. comes to the thing that you've identified. Yeah. It's no consolation to find that everybody has That's also it. identified it. I, I think auctions are very, very complicated, a bit addictive, because they take the whole day to resolve, don't they? I love a viewing of an auction, though. It's very nice if you view the auction. A friend of mine gave me a tip. He said, you always want to carry a pen around. I said, is that because you want to make notes? He said, no. He said, so you can, so if there's a piece of pottery or a bit of furniture, you just draw on it. It makes it look like it's got a crack on it, so nobody will want it. <laughs> <laughs> Right, what is the craziest thing you've bought? Um, Ever. This is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. I bought um, Terry Thomas's waistcoat. We'd all have bought that. We would have been fighting yeah. in the room to get that. No, well, there was yeah. a fight because I, um, someone else bought it and I thought I'd won it, but I hadn't. And Phil Collins had got it. So I said to Phil, oh, I thought I'd got that. And uh, he said, well, do you want to buy it off me? So he sold it as soon as he'd got it. And anyway, I took, we took I, it was in a frame, and I took it out of the frame this year in lockdown with nothing else to do. I thought, I'm going to take that out of the frame and try it on. And he was the tiniest man you've ever. He, I would say it would fit an eight-year-old. Wow! I can't believe that was Terry Thomas's. That was ter- and also in the back there was a, a top hat and a cane, and it said a garment made for Terry Thomas, a gentleman of distinction. On a little label in the back. Kenny Lynch, the great songwriter and comic and person, told me that he once went to a charity auction and they encouraged him. They said, can you just start the bidding? You don't have to buy anything. And he ended up buying a a rugby ball signed by all of the Welsh rugby team, which he didn't really sort of... He'd gone as a sort of turn to do sort of sing songs. But he's like, oh, I don't know. Anyway, so he ended up with it. And he goes into the car park at the end. He's got this this rugby ball under his arm. And the the rugby team says, hey, thanks a lot for uh, supporting the charity. It's really great. Chuck us the ball. So they chuck the ball about a bit and they chuck it back to him. And he gets it back. And it's, it wasn't in permanent marker, so he just got a completely <laughs> smeared ball that he then put in his car and took home for 5,000 quid. Marvellous. Another great evening. <laughs> and it had all been signed, what, seconds before? Yes, so still exactly. exactly. Like and ruined his suit. Getting a, a record signed by the Beatles, but it's not... It's a signed record, Beatles signed record, but not signed by the Beatles. i tell you what I have got, which is rare, which, was, which he gave me, George Harrison gave me as a present, and this is such a great thing. He's given me, he gave me a Beatles record, all signed entirely by him. He said because when they started, they, to, they was like locked into a room and had to have to sign thousands of autographs when the Beatlemania first. So they'd all know, they'd all practice and know how to do each other's signatures. So yeah. I've got a record signed entirely by him, but all the signatures look <laughs> like theirs. Well, do you know I, when I, I used to work in our price records in the seventies or eighties, and uh, Regatta de Blanc by the police came out and I in boredom signed Sting on a lot of them and a lot when of people them. came that's, out and said fraud. 
Is it? Well, I said, you're, you're lucky because this one's signed. But I didn't actually drop it. I didn't say it's not signed by us, it's just signed. <laughs> oh, yeah, that old one, just signed. Yeah, yeah. Not signed by Sting. It looks like Sting, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, it does look like that, yeah. But they're, they're left happy. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's been very nice talking to you today because you see, a lot of people, they focused, they focus on other road transport. Uh, some people focus on walking, some on cycling. But we haven't had anybody yet on, the, on our tribute to transport um, that has been really, like you today, a, a, a great enthusiast of the waterways, both the open waterways, as, as I would call them, and, and, the, it, and, the inland, and the inland waterways. And so we're very interested in finding out people's favourite ring roads. But we can say to you... What's your favourite peninsula? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can answer that as well. I can Can answer that. I think my favourite, my my worst peninsula is the Kota Town Peninsula with Cherbourg on it. But my favourite is probably anywhere in the Mediterranean, certainly as you come out round Cannes before you get round to Saint-Tropez, sailing around. It's a very, very beautiful, lovely sort of spot. But the Italian coast is always... So that's your favourite peninsula? Yeah. yeah. What was the problem with Cherbourg there, the peninsula there? All right, well, when you you have to time coming out the Channel Islands very, very, very carefully. And because you don't want to get subsumed in a wind against tide, huge waves, which can happen if you get stuck in a storm. So we left, we came out, and I think I timed it wrong, because as we came around the corner, the tide changed. We had the engine running and the boat didn't go anywhere. Oh. It just the tide was so strong that it didn't matter how powerfully we gunned the engine. There was no wind. We just literally sat in exactly the same position for eight hours oh. before mm. the tide changed. <laughs> I bet you wish you had a speedboat then. You might not, might, one might not come to mind immediately, but is there a favourite, because there's a lot of sayings and expressions come from nautical things like, you know, beat the seven bells of... What a, a square meal. And all of that sort of thing. Do you, you, you know the square meal story? No, I always thought that was a sandwich. No, a square meal is because the, on a boat you'd have square plates so they didn't roll off. They'd only roll off if you put them on their side, and you wouldn't put them on their side anyway because all the food would fall off. Well, when they were in the Welsh dresser, stood <laughs> upright. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have any just to part with any favourite um, nautical expressions that you use. I can give you. I'll give you this one, but this is one really for sailors, which never goes wrong. Yeah. Rain before wind, your topsails, your mind. Uh, wind before rain, hoist topsails again. 
Nice. And it was just the simplest weather instruction for remembering when you're out there, if the wind comes along and the rain follows or whatever, you, you, know, you know, you know what to do. So right. the wind comes first, then the rain, or, yeah, right. Wind yeah. first, then rain. That's an easier way of saying it. So, well, <laughs> I'll just... just, you know, just, just keep an eye on which sequence they come in, because it's yeah. all to do with passing clouds. But it's not a very funny one, is it? It's, it's not bad, though. <laughs> We'll just use the good bits, don't worry. Oh, all right, all right, don't worry, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a privilege and honour chatting about boats, uh, inland waterways, the seas and everything, because often we're just stuck on the roads, aren't we? So yeah, it's great to get out. Yeah. Can I say thank you for having me for this jolly uh, conversation that we had? And since I see that neither of you are really accomplished, so I do offer you the chance, boys, Come with me any time to come soon because one thing you realise with a boat that needs at least five people to make it go is I'm always looking for crew. I think he's got yeah. a press gang going there. I think that's... that's I, yeah. I check the bottom of your mug of tea. I think there's a shilling in there. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can get up at the crack of dawn and, and, and hoist the sails. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that offer, Griff. I think I might take it up. <laughs> Quite a heavy... Uh, part of my being is brine. Brine? Yeah. How do you mean? The sea. Oh, I see, yes. Yeah. Brine. I've got brine in my blood. Hmm. Just, uh, what you have to do is remember this. I took my mate Peter Finch from me, you may know. You know, he used to run ITV sailing. And I said, come on, Peter, we'll go out for a sail and we'll go, we'll go round to up your neck of the woods to north, you know, north Suffolk, where he's got a house. So he, come, he comes aboard the boat. And there's a lot of kerfuffle, and we pull all the ropes up, put the sails on. We we sail out of the we sail out of the estuary, you know, and out to sea. Peter goes, uh, okay, right. What happens now then? And I said, well, now we sail, Peter. Now we, you know, the wind is blowing and the boat's moving, and you know, all right. How long are we going to be there? Well, it'll be, you know, it'll be about. Uh, it'll take us about four hours. Four hours? Yeah. Well, can we put the engine back on? No, no, we don't want to put the engine. <laughs> <laughs> that is summed it up, though, come, because yeah. for some of no, us, it's, so... it's, it's, it's the journey. It's not. We're not in a hurry, mate. <laughs> no, really, it's, it's not the game. And, and my mate Bob, when he first came with me, we put the sails up and we sort of settled down. He rolled a joint, started smoking it, and said, "Wow, this is fantastic, isn't it?" And I've been sailing with him ever since because you need somebody if you want to go sailing. If you don't enjoy the moment when the engine goes off and suddenly you're under your own power and you've got four hours before you have to do anything of any whatsoever. <laughs> That's the whole point about sailing. Well, on that note, thank you so much and goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. There goes Griff Reese jones Sailing off into the sunset, literally Drifting sailing. off yes. with, with uh, sails billowing in the sunset. If I was going to be stuck on a desert island with any of our guests... It might be him, because I think he'd know how to get us off of it. He'd be able to get us away. He could build a raft. He'd, la- he'd lash a few palm trees together and off we'd go. Or a very heavy ship. Yes, yeah, so or he'd know what the signal was to a boat yeah. passing up that might save us. Because if it was me, I might do the wrong signal. they think, oh, they're just waving hello. Probably. And yeah. there he goes, waving as, as he drifts away over the horizon. Goodbye, Griff. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.